The Start On Demand. On demand. The Great Debate over celery as we discuss the rising cost of groceries specifically vegetables celery at six bucks greg and loren get into it over whether or not celery is good and it was fun to watch one of winnipeg's defining moments the general strike of 1919 is the subject of a new exhibit of one of the coolest places i've ever visited in winnipeg dalnavert museum and winnipeg's largest urban market is on this weekend third and bird celebrating local creators makers and vendors it's easily the most fun i've ever had shopping and i guarantee if you check it out you'll have fun too i'm brett mcgarry alongside greg mackling and loren mcnab we are mackling mcgarry and mcnab and this is the thursday may 2nd podcast for the start Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. And if you're out on the roads right now, or if you haven't looked out your window yet, the fog, oh, as Clay Young you, might you say. Pause just enough for people to be like, oh, snow? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. They're just like, damn you, Brett McGarry. But I was caught off guard by frost. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. You mentioned you scraped your window this morning, or you ha- almost well, had to? Yeah, I no, I, I used the windshield wiper for food. I did too. Yeah, I did too. You don't need a shovel. You don't need sand, but you might might need crackers with that pea soup that you'll be driving it's in. It's brutal. We just took a call in the newsroom from someone who's coming uh, around the northwest perimeter. I drive in from the south, and it, I felt like I was in a whiteout this morning. There was just zero visibility. You didn't have lights. It might be a bit better as the sun comes up, but it was, I, I don't know, it was pretty scary. So you'll definitely have to give yourself extra time until that burns off. Is that the what essentially I happens to fog? I think that's what happens. Temperature warms up. The sun heats it from above. Sounds right. If you're a climatologist or a meteorologist, let us know. Give us a call. Science. Yeah, science. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like it's going to be at least a clear sky because I see... Just looking up, it looks like blue. So like nice above clear. the fog. Above the fog, well, I see good. lots of blue. But uh, looking across the park, like I can't even see across uh, Empress. For those who don't know, we face uh, we're just uh, north of Hudson's Bay beside Polo Park, and uh, I'm looking out to the northeast across Empress. And Chapters would normally be directly across here, but I can't even see Empress. So it's that the fog is that thick. Well, you can't see anything. I can't McNabb. see anything. Yeah, because uh, because I I think what happens uh, in off hours is uh, our studio is a grow up. It I don't feels know, like it. Yeah. There's a a sheet a foil tin or windows wrapped in tin foil. And then uh, there's like a billboard type thing over top of it. I think it's so that the light doesn't cut yeah. through this poster. It's for when they, they do Facebook Live stuff. There's a big fancy camera behind McNabb. We're trying know. to pretend, we're pretending to be a, a TV studio sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it looks so funny from outside. Like, why is there a, <laughs> why is it tin wrapped foil. in tinfoil? And every day you're like mentioning the weather. And I'm like, why doesn't someone else tell me what the weather is? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm in like a, like a basement cell. You might as well be Sandra Bullock. What's that? What's that uh, TV show? The Bird Cage or the Bird? Bird Wire. Bird. Oh, was it Bird Box? Bird, Bird Box. Yeah. Put a wrapping around your eyes, and that's about the uh, effect that McNabb has it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're a prisoner here, McNabb. <laughs> you can never leave. It's it's sort of a combination of Alcatraz and the Hotel California. <laughs> 
So, hey, coming up a bit later on today at 9.06, very excited about this, Third and Bird, the co-founders are going to join us. Greg, you and I have been uh, talking to them for a couple of years now. Have you, McNabb, have you ever been to Third and Bird? I have not, no. Okay, it's super fun. We've talked about it a few times, and I've heard you mention uh, how great it is, but no, I haven't been. Yeah, if you like shopping, if you like supporting local Third and Bird is the place to be, the basement of Hudson's Bay Company, and uh, we'll tell you more about that at 9.06. Well, local is a big thing we're going to be talking about today, too, because we're going to chat about grocery prices and, like, have you noticed how much more groceries might feel like they are these days? And one of the tips, I think, is shop when it's in season, right? So don't be buying things, like, if you're mad that strawberry prices are way up or what have you, well, strawberries shouldn't be perfect and in in your grocery store in January anyway, right? So do they have gro- do they May. have food? It's May. It's May now. Is it May? It's May now. <laughs> Strawberries should be a little bit less expensive, don't you think? In May? From California? I don't know. Come on. I feel like there's like certain windows for things, so when I'm getting mad about prices, it's still all coming from somewhere else. What about so celery? What's the deal yeah, with but, the celery? Well, again, isn't it like, like 97% water? Isn't there, is there a celery farm in Manitoba? No, right. I don't so think again, so. Right, so again, when things are coming from a long ways away, you're going to pay more for them. How but much does celery, celery cost? Like, like four or five bucks a bunch. Four ninety nine a bunch. Really? Yeah. Yes. What does it normally cost? Two. I don't know. I think they usually used to pay you to take it out of the store. It's easily. I like, love who salary. Who wants to eat that oh, stuff? Oh no, I love salary. I want it. Salary. <laughs> this is going to make everybody angry today. I keep saying salary. I do love celery. What, what, what do you like it? The for? crunch. I put it in rice. I put it in soups. I put it in chicken salad. Do you put sandwiches. it in tuna? I put it in tuna. Oh, and see, I you're put one of those. pickles in tuna. No. You're one of those. One of those. It makes your sandwich crunchy. I put it in egg salad. I put it in dip. Egg salad's not supposed to be crunchy. It's uh, a soft. Have you tried? Uh, oh my God! Look at the dissension in the ranks. Tuna, over the egg you're salad. supposed to put crunch in, in, yeah. in the. Try it. Put celery some pickles. In the, in put some tuna. pickles and put some celery in tuna. It is going to change Aww. your life. My auntie Blanche used to do that. That was terrible. Worst sandwich ever. Ever was the so salmon wrong. salad sandwich I, with the pickle. Inside of it, garlic Absolutely salty pickles, disgusting. With the, like a salty pickle or like a sweet pickle, any kind of pickle. Sal- oh, you're Take so your wrong. Pick. Take your pick. You're you so wrong. Can pickles. we celebrate something? I, I feel things going <laughs> sideways here. Fog, prices of stuff, horrible. Absolutely disgusting recipes for sandwiches. How about the fact that Valor FC won their very first game Because the pregame meal included celery. It did not. (laughs) I can guarantee you it did not. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we want to share with you two examples, or technically three examples of... Manitoba's making some really terrible choices on the road. Terrible choices that I hope maybe, I don't, I don't want to freak everybody out out there, but there, when you think about these things and people are doing, it makes you kind of wonder who's driving beside you sometimes. So the first example is about a man who landed two speeding tickets in less than an hour sure this week. Are you sure it was a man? Mm, you're right. Are I don't we know. sure it was, it was a man? It was just a driver, but okay. I, I think I went with man. I'm just I'm asking. I'm sticking with man. I'm just asking. Okay. So this driver, who is male, was first caught <laughs> no. going 97 kilometers per news. hour in a 70 kilometer zone near Treehern. And an hour later, the same driver was stopped going 122 kilometers per hour in a 100 kilometer per hour zone. So all in all, he was fined $741. Do you want me to Good read it Lord. for you? Do you want me to read you this one sentence? Mm-hmm. 
Less than an hour later, the driver was stopped going 122 kilometers per hour in a 100 kilometer per hour zone. I think they were doing their best to hide the uh, gender of the driver. And then this slipped out, which added $338 to her Ah. ticket total. So... Hmm. <laughs> so what's the total there? The total is 741 if I'm doing my well, math you're, right. You're good at math, but not necessarily great at reading. Well, I just made an assumption, which I perhaps shouldn't have. That was, mmm, I'm going to leave it. Okay. So what did they claim? They Why did they say that they had gone that fast? They uh, said broken, broken speedometer? speedometer. Yeah, mm. sure. I okay. Let's see a picture of this vehicle. Looks pretty brand new to me. All right. Well, that was the excuse for the first one. The second one doesn't have an excuse. This no. one is just unacceptable. No so laughing matter, actually. Th- this came from the Winnipeg police yesterday, and they said, if you think impaired driving only happens at night or on weekends, WPS traffic charged a 23-year-old male with impaired driving following a single vehicle mid-morning collision on Tuesday. He blew more than four times the legal limit, which is 360 milligrams in 100 milliliters of blood. Oh, my God. Four times the legal limit mid-morning. I don't know if you could make an argument. Well, there's no argument to get behind the wheel, but did they go home, sleep after a long night out and get up to go to work or... Are you just drinking during the day? Just the whole tragic, sad story. Yeah, that is, uh, it's surprising to see with a limit like that that they're able, even able to function enough to get into a car and drive. Because if I've had too much, I can, you know, there have been times where I can't even get to bed. So I can't, I wouldn't want to think about myself getting into a motor vehicle and trying to operate that. That's scary. And Loren made a great point when you said, just think about... Who's driving beside you Mm -hmm. and what's going on in their life? Because that's scary stuff. It really is. I often think about impaired driving when I'm coming in in the morning because it's 3.30 in the morning. And when someone comes up beside you, there's not as many cars. And especially because I'm in a rural area when I'm coming in, I'm often wondering, like, who is this that is also on the road with me? So I think often I slow. And there's been times where I've slowed right down or moved over into the far lane just because I'm like, ah, I don't know why this guy or girl is out on the road right now. I'm always watching my rear view mirror for for headlights and erratic drivers on my way in. It uh, makes me very nervous imagining uh, sometimes who's out on the road. You guys threw down over celery last half hour, and it was very entertaining to watch, and I think I'll have to try to harvest that conversation and put it on our social media. Well, because we're talking about celery, I started it because we're talking about grocery prices Mm -hmm. this morning, and celery prices are insane, and then Greg implied, who cares, nobody likes celery anyway, and he is so very wrong. Well, based on the text messages we're getting, yes. Yeah. Apparently, I am wrong you about are this wrong. one. Celery belongs in a myriad of foods. Well, Salads, the word sandwiches, belongs is a stretch. Veggie platters, rice. Allowed. Add something, but Stir belongs. Fry. No, 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 it no. Belongs. no. It, it belongs. It mm, belongs. Mm, it's optional. It belongs. I'm going to start singing We Belong Together, and it's going to have a picture of you and celery. Okay. So, here's the problem, though. Celery right now, which used to cost about $1.80, maybe 2 bucks a bunch, is now 4 to $5. And in some places, we've got texts this morning from one listener saying they saw it at five ninety eight oh this Lord. week in one grocery store. So, a stock of celery that's, you know, a bunch of celery that's giving you, what, eight pieces of celery? Getty Stewart is a home economist and says it's a combination of a perfect storm. 
Celery right now is a good example of what we're, what we're seeing in terms of the effects of climate, the effects of transportation costs, and the effect of uh, food trends and food, uh, food fads. And right now, celery is the vegetable to be drinking and, and eating. And so demand is high, uh, but there are issues with growing it and getting it here. Too much water, not enough water, growing conditions, those severe climate issues, which we'll see more of as, uh, as climate change continues continues to happen. Uh, so it's, it's the perfect storm for high salary prices. And so uh, we have some decisions to make as consumers. Okay, so the social media trend that she's talking about is juicing. There have been a few podcasters. I went looking this morning. I'm not going to mention their names, but largely because they have no medical background. So these folks are going out there saying, juice, put salary in your body. I can't get on board, by the way, with celery that is mashed up and turned into a beverage. You can? I can't. Oh, you can't. I can't. Well, guess who was one of the folks I saw on social media just this morning who started juicing? Alexander Micklethwaite, the former director of the of the and head conductor at the WSO, who's now in Oklahoma City. He says he started juicing. It's a genuine fad, and the concern is that there are people who don't have medical backgrounds, right? right? But so swear juicing that this, can be good for you. I just sure. it's more about this craze of celery juicing, and so you've got some weather issues, and you have people saying you know you'll have nicer skin or it'll help. With your digestive issues, if you try this juice that's all out of celery, is contributing to the prices. Well, Jeff Braun, our own Jeff Braun, had a buffet of celery and carrots going for weeks and weeks and weeks. Every He's morning, to, that was his go-to. And I think he may have started the trend. I don't know if he was tweeting or Instagramming <laughs> about it. I can't see Jeff Braun juicing He's an, inf- he's an influencer. <laughs> but the idea of uh, paying $5 for a bunch of celery was too much for Jeff to bear. And so he's backed off on the celery, and it's making forcing people to make some choices about which foods they buy. For sure, because it's not just celery. As much as we're talking about it, because I think it's this, an astounding tripling of the price, there's a study by the Guelph and uh, Guelph University and Dalhousie University is looking at grocery prices and they believe Canadians are spending more than ever before and that it's going to get worse with the average family in 2019 paying anywhere from $400 to $1,100 more on groceries. The issue that we have is that fruit and vegetables are an important part of the Canadian diet and they should be because they're good for our health and fresh is is what we think is the best and we're seeing massive increases apples tomatoes potatoes lettuce you know they've been going up in the last 12 months by anywhere between 12 and 20 percent or close to 20 percent so what people can do is think well okay i need to reduce those and replace them with other things what people struggle to do is look at the frozen grocery aisle well, sorry, the frozen aisle of your grocery store because that has fruit and sometimes vegetables, vegetables and fruit that are just as nutritious but a lot cheaper. But they don't look as nice. They don't necessarily taste as nice, but the nutrition is there. Thank. Okay, so frozen, frozen. We were talking about this in the newsroom, and there's a perception about frozen that maybe it's not as nutritious and that when you cook it, maybe you're cooking the nutrients out. What did you learn, Loren? Well, I went looking at a couple different articles, and we're going to try to maybe bring someone on to later today or tomorrow to help us kind of digest this, pun intended, I suppose, that the frozen vegetables, I guess when you take them out of the farm or wherever they're being grown in a greenhouse, they're instantly frozen, and so they call that like freezing in the nutrients, Mm -hmm. whereas the fresh vegetables take time to travel 
if they're not locally sourced, they, you know, they'll be in a truck and then they'll come here and then they might have some spray on them and then they'll sit in your fridge for a bit. And every day that the nutrients leach out of them. And so at face value, most of the studies have shown that your frozen and your fresh have the same amount of nutrients in it. Then, and then it's just a question of how you cook it. But you're cooking both unless you're eating them raw. That's a different argument. If you're eating sure. them raw, then the fresh wins. But you're going to cook the vegetables, which does take out a bit more nutrients, but you could steam them, which helps keep them in. You, you don't have to them. boil them. You don't have to boil them. So boiling them, does that wreck That takes out a lot of the nutrients okay. in, in any food. Okay, so, so you, steaming is good. Steaming is better. Baking them can be good. Okay. But the, the question I always think is I'm, I'm half the time I'm buying fresh because I just think that's going to be better for us. Yeah. The thing about the fresh versus frozen might be more about taste. Like, I for sure... Uh, fr- uh, fresh vegetable, no matter how I cook it, is better than the frozen. What about canned peas? Nothing tastes better than canned peas. I, I've, so it depends on who you read, but I have I have seen the order put frozen and fresh can be tied, and then they put canned down. So you, you might actually think the can would be better, but then there's different preservatives oh, and whatnot that's being yeah, tossed in I that. I was being very facetious. Yeah. yeah, nothing worse than canned peas. Greg, nothing worse than peas. peas i got to be honest, peas I don't get. Peas are very, very nutritious. Fresh pea. Like if I'm, if I'm in a garden an and I'm just eating the pea, but I don't want to boil some peas, bake some peas, mush up some peas. Bake them into your muffins. Put them in your tuna. I had uh, <laughs> fresh snap peas at the meal I was at the Winnipeg Those Police Those are good. At uh, the Canadians Pull Park on Saturday in support of the children's. Uh, hospital foundation and there were snap peas and I, I've never had them like fresh I guess I think I had buddy of mine used to bring like <clears throat> like a bag of snap pea like it's a like a snack mm-hmm. like dried snap peas sure. so I've had those but I don't think I've ever had them fresh so those were good and it made that made me reconsider my hatred for peas because Greg I've always just I've always had either out of the can or just the frozen peas but, but the snap them. pea has the crunch to it which is yeah. why I love celery so much whereas no just the, just the peas. Well, and how about the adamame, right? Which is oh, very that's similar. Amazing. Those People are, that's, love that. That's great. great. That's a great snack. snack. She yeah. eats her peas one at a time. Was it peas from Seinfeld? <laughs> when Jerry was looking for reasons, I believe, dumb reasons to I dump believe this that is correct. <laughs> we'll have to check, triple check with Jeff Braun, the uh, official Seinfeldologist of our newsroom. You can text us at 204-780-6868 if you know the answer. And, of course, you can weigh in with your feedback on celery, on peas, on the cost of vegetables. What are you seeing in terms of how much it is costing you to buy vegetables? And is it causing you to make different decisions? I, I can't win this morning. A text message, Greg, uh, canned peas are the best. Oh, you, They don't like anything you're suggesting <laughs> no, for food. I, I think I should go away for a couple of weeks. That's what I think I should do. <laughs> Plus, don't canned peas come with a boom, boom. Bum, green giant. That's true. Yeah, they it do. allows. But you know, it, I think well, if anyone has any advice about what they do when prices go up, I'd like to hear that too. Because do they just change their diet? Do they have other options? Like well, pe- people- eating to the season from Getty Stewart. I think that is probably the the best advice, right? Because in, in order to in order to uh, take advantage of the best. Uh, and the freshest fruit and vegetables, you sort of need to do that. You have to follow the calendar mm-hmm. to a certain extent. So I think that's the best advice, and there's probably economic benefits to that as well. Except for the walkie. She eats her peas one at a time. She eats her peas 
one at a time. There it is, Greg. There it is. Uh, the, the, the complete uh, quote here from Melissa. Thank you, Melissa, for so diligently typing this out. I mean, we've had dinner many other times. She had corn niblets, but she scooped them, George. She scooped the niblets? Yes, that's what was so vexing. <laughs> <laughs> so vexing. Peas one at a time. Yeah, that, uh, well, I just would rather not eat the peas, period, but one at a time. I'm with you. Yeah, but if I am going to eat them, then I eat them as quickly as possible to get rid of them. Well, taste them yeah, with eat milk. them That's first the so you can enjoy the rest of your meal. That's, That's right. Or mix do. it in with something. You don't taste them. Like, I used to throw them in the kids' craft dinner. Oh. Just, to try to like, oh. just to try to get them to eat some veggies. And when they I were little, we they never noticed. should change our topic of conversation <laughs> right now. And, well, you know what? In our house, peas are an absolute staple. We, My wife and I both love them. She makes pea salad in the summertime. Uh, we, if, if we say, you know, what are we going to have for a veggie with supper tonight? Peas what are goes in a pea choice. salad? Just peas? Is it just a bowl of peas? Peas, a little bit of uh, deviled egg or, or hard-boiled Ooh, egg, rather. Celery? Yeah. So, pardon me? Celery? No celery. Hmm. Should think no. about but, adding But it. we can put celery in. We don't mind God, that either. Do you eat your peas one at a time? Uh, no. I eat them by the spoonful. I vex everybody. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> McNabb, what about celery and cheese whiz? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, well, cheese or whiz. Or the other way around. You put the cheese whiz just, in the scoop yeah. of the celery, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you put celery. So I've seen people put peanut butter in celery, too. Mm-hmm. But cheese whiz, for sure. I mean, cheese whiz is just salt. It's like can go on anything. Do you do the raisins? No. The, like, what did they used to call, call that? Ants on a log. Ants on a log. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Uh, celery and cheese. I love celery. This is why I'm so angry. It's so much money right now. You might, Do you like Caesars? Do I like Caesars? <laughs> <laughs> is that even a question? <laughs> Brett, you ask a lot of good questions. That was not one of them. <laughs> Thanks, Captain uh, Obvious. I was, I was, that's the kind of response I was hoping for. Uh, because, uh, yes, I like Caesars, yeah. but and I get actually really mad when you go to a restaurant or a lounge and they bring you the Caesar and it has no accoutrements, like it's just a straw in there. You're like, what? Yeah. No salary? What no. kind of restaurants no. do you go Every to that don't have Every once in a while, people won't put it in, and you're and I'm like, and I, and then I actually really get annoyed when it's like a pickled asparagus or something. Yeah. <laughs> No, you don't like that. I don't mind. Oh, really? It's not snub? It's you not snub the pickle like uh, asparagus? I want that crunch. And That's I want... a step up from celery, for God's sake. So she doesn't disagree. There's too plain and then there's too fancy. And McNabb uh, wants the regular. Asparagus is fancy to you? Fancier than celery. No. Celery, when you put the salt in it and you little, give it a little swirl in the drink. How, How, about the skewers? How about the skewers now that some of these places yeah. are coming up with? Oh, it's nice. It's basically a buffet. <laughs> it's a whole <laughs> meal. A stick, right? Yes, but the drink is also fifteen ninety five. dollars worth every dollar. Not, yeah. There, yeah, there have been times where I've gone out um, and we had a couple of Caesars before our meal. And by the time we got our meal, we were... Right. Full. Yes, because put the, like a pepperoni stick yeah, or something in there. Pepperoni, a piece of cheese. I think there were. I think there might have been a piece of bacon and uh, turkey leg, and then pickle. <laughs> uh, there might have been a pickled bean as well. Surprised you don't like the pickled bean. I don't. I just. I don't. That wouldn't be my first choice. It's okay. not that I don't like it. Like if it's in there with the celery. Then I'm happy. Okay, so it's gonna long, get eaten. So it has to be. It has to at least have celery. It has to at least have but celery, but not just the pickled bean. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, okay. Like that. Yes, my neighbor makes a great it's, Caesar. It's a Caesar, not a Caesar salad. Okay. Yeah, but that's not the, the point. The Caesar <laughs> is like to. It's like a. Um, it's like a midday. It's an 11 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like a brunch. 
brunch. A brunch cocktail or a brunch on its own? It's, brunch. it's 11 a.m. somewhere. So you start with the yeah. mimosa and then you work it, your way uh, into the, the Caesar. Caesar. The hard stuff. Yeah. Uh, what are they doing at Earl's like in terms of, of celery? Because you get the celery and that delicious Parmesan cheese dip with your I chicken wings. I miss working in sport. What's going on with celery? This? The price is through the roof. One of oh. our listeners sent us a copy in the Winnipeg Free Press today. The cartoon says uh, auto loans, home renovation loans, and celery loans because the price of celery has gone through the roof, tripled in some cases in the last several months. Yeah, I'm, and I would like to buy more uh, fresh food. And I know we were going to talk about Instagram and social media, but whatever. Yeah. Um, for example, there's what I, and granted, this is like an imported fruit from somewhere in Asia, I think. Vietnam, it's uh, dragon fruit, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's actually not even super tasty. It's just really fresh and really good for you. But depending where you go to get it, it can be like five, six bucks for one, yeah. for one of them. So that's that. It's just hard. It's tough to swallow that. Or like pomegranate juice, you know that that's like fifteen dollars for that, one liter. I put that on the, and I'm. Failing to find the word. That's not a list of um, go-to essentials. essentials. Yeah. That to yeah. me is more like an, um, That's a, guilty a guilty pleasure that I would enjoy, right? And That's so a luxury item. It's a luxury item. But now they're turning celery into a luxury item by making it this juice cleanse thing, plus the weather, plus whatever. And so now they've turned this pretty... I'll admit it's a basic vegetable. It doesn't it's a des- benign vegetable. It does vegetable. not deserve to have this kind of price attached to it, it basically as much has, as I love it. It basically has no flavor, but the flavor it does have is horrible. You can let us know what you think. It has no flip. <laughs> oh, wait, McNabb. Easy. Is- have a Caesar. Calm down and have Go a Caesar. Go get me one, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And Loren, uh, you're a proponent of celery. Mm-hmm. Greg, not so much. Got a ta- an email from Sleel. I always love getting emails from Sleel because he's always so angry. And he says, it's like eating dental floss flavored with regret. <laughs> Great description. <laughs> because he gets it stuck in his teeth, I'm guessing. Yeah, he says yeah. it's stringy and yeah, yeah. hates it. I can Regret appreciate that. laced dental floss. Yes. Is there a market for that? That is. That is such a good description. <laughs> I, I will, like, when you do eat it like that, um, in just like a, in terms of a veggie dip type scenario or with cheese whiz on it, for sure. But I cut it up and put it in all sorts of things. Everything. I'm going to put it in everything for the next three days. Filler. Are you going to do that, though, given the cost? I'm not. Actually, I haven't bought, I have not purchased celery in at least a month because it's insanely expensive. And that's what we've been talking about this morning is some of the sticker shock we've been feeling at the grocery store. A lot of our go-to vegetables are way up, some of our favorite meats, too. And we know prices rise every year, but we've been hearing from experts this morning that they're going to continue to rise over the next year, and uh, it's going to add hundreds of dollars to your groceries bi- grocery bill. The question is why. Global Scarpelli has done some digging on this and joins us now. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, guys. So tell us what prompted this series. Were you Are you a salary lover? I think actually that's the most important question I have. Do you How much do you love salary? As much as me? Well, uh, I'd say I have celery about twice a year, and only because it comes in the veggie in the uh, veggie trays. <laughs> I buy them for the for the broccoli, but it comes with celery. Oh, you just you're just tricked into having the celery. Okay, but for but when you went out and asked about celery prices, what's going on here? What's behind that rise? Okay, so what? Uh, so there are the seasonal factors, such as the the harsh winter contributed to the to the rise, as well as. Um, 
some of the uh, some of the other vegetables, for example, the the the, um, the contamination, like we had the romaine lettuce. So those are those are the some of the factors, the main reasons driving the the vegetable prices up. But the interesting one that we found is this celery juice diet. It's uh, trending on social media. People, there's some social media influencers talking about celery juices and the benefits of celery and now all of a sudden it's trending on social media people are wanting to eat celery drink celery make them into juices and then brag about it on social media and that is contributing to these rising prices the demand is has just skyrocketed is what we're hearing from from experts and that's what's uh, contributing to this uh to this massive rise in celery prices i just googled uh celery syndicate and uh, nothing came up. So I was just wondering if perhaps uh, one of the large companies on the planet had cornered the market on celery and they were jacking up the prices. I can't find any evidence of that. But the whole idea of seasonal and this trend of these celery these celery-based uh, smoothies, etc., uh, certainly makes sense. Now, did you delve into the idea of substituting other um, fruits and vegetables that actually have taste for <laughs> celery? Oh, come on. <laughs> well, we spoke to... Um, <clears throat> to an expert a local home economist and she says her advice here is you might not be able to eat what you want when you want if you're really watching your budget but she says to, to shop in season and that is your that's her number one uh, piece of advice if you want to save money and still eat fruits and vegetables you might just not be able to eat what you want at the exact time you want and is that because, I mean, we've been joking about celery. I think the prices were 180 a bunch a couple months ago. Now we're seeing them at $5, even $6. But are there other vegetables or, or fruits or meats? I mean, what's going on with the overall grocery prices, Joe? Okay, so we, from, from Stats Canada, uh, the, we, we look back from three years ago um, until now. So between March 2016 and March 2019, the overall food, uh, Price of food increased three and a half percent in that three-year span. Vegetables alone, fresh vegetables, eighteen and a half percent. That's how much it went up. Now, included in that is um, meat. Meat prices. Meat prices have um, been on the rise. Uh, it was a three and a half percent, I believe, uh, was was the number from StatsCan. But the meat prices are expected to go down this year. And uh, that's from researchers at the University of Guelph and Dalhousie University. They say the for the first time in 10 years, meat prices are going to drop. But uh, fruits, fruits and vegetables are not. Though that's going to continue to be on the rise. Canadians are expected to pay an extra $411 on their grocery bill this year. But uh, if you're looking for the light at the end of the tunnel, that would be uh, meat prices. And that's due to um, the our, our researchers were saying a few years ago, there was a, a drought in the prairie area and uh, a lot of the ranchers had to decrease the size of their herds. And uh, it took a few years to get uh, to get them back up to, uh, to normal levels. So now uh, supply and demand is going to uh, equalize. And then another factor, small for now, but uh, it's anticipated to grow, is people switching over uh, or reducing their meat consumption and switching over to plant-based diets. That is uh, anticipated to have a, a small impact now. 
and over the next five years is when uh, the plant-based diet, people moving, uh, reducing their meat consumption, that's really going to have a, a big impact. All right, Joe Scarpelli joining us live on 680 CJOB from Global Winnipeg. Thank you very much, Joe. Much appreciated, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. I was uh, just uh, researching what's in the V8, you know, how mm-hmm. that V8 juice, and I was thinking there's no way there's celery in V8. Watercress, parsley, lettuce, carrot, beetroots, tomatoes, and celery. Celery. Mm-hmm. I feel like the argument that we just heard there, he's talking about meat prices maybe going down this yes. summer, so I can swap out, like, you know, if celery stays high, swap in a stick of bacon. Yeah, bacon for celery or steak for celery. You put bacon in any sandwich, would that make you happy? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Now you're talking right. things that make sense. I just want us to get along. What about bacon and peanut butter? No. Ooh, one of my boys likes bacon and peanut butter. My I, dad used to like bacon and hot dogs, or uh, peanut butter and hot dogs. No. It's a strange thing, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, oh, to each their own. Absolutely, right? each I their thought own. Pe- peanut butter and cheese was, would be gr- gross until I tried it, so I dig it. I'd try anything. Cheese, we've had the cool idea of uh, cheese whiz and jam or jelly. Oh, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that sounds like, I bet you that would be great. Thank you so much for all of your feedback this morning on vegetables and celery and the cost of it and what you do with it, the taste of it. Caesars. Does it belong in tuna salad? <laughs> yes, Caesars. Oh, getting, my word. Did gotta... you see that one Caesar with the onion rings, hot dog, hamburger? It's like a $60 Caesar yeah. that you can get one place somewhere. It's, now that's too much, I think. That's become a huge trend in yeah. the last 10 years, though. Bacon. If you put bacon in it, also delightful. Like, yeah. a, like a crispy piece? Yeah, crispy piece strip? of bacon. Also in a pinch, those uh, pre-mixed canned Caesars, uh, the Mott's Caesars, mm-hmm. are uh, really good. I find I always have to add Tabasco, but I usually do even when someone makes it for me. But other than that, yeah. Oh, my you brother like it Ke- extra spicy? I like it extra, extra spicy. My brother Kevin always says, now make it as spicy as you think it would be too spicy yes. and then go a go little bit more yeah. with the Worcestershire exactly. and, the, and, the, and the Tabasco. Now, we often invite you to follow us on our social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. We do a lot more stuff on Instagram uh, in the morning here. We try to keep you up to date on what we have coming up on the show or if you miss something. Thing. We provide you with links to the audio vault, to our to our website, to various stories that we're covering. But something interesting could be happening. Looks like it's going to happen on Instagram. And they're testing it in Canada this week, it looks like. So Instagram is considering removing the number of likes on posts. And they're going to essentially try this out this week. And on your photos and videos, you wouldn't see how many likes you're acquiring. And they're doing this for a number of reasons because they want followers to focus on the photos and videos you share. But there might be an argument that they're also doing it because there is a concern over the rise of how likes are contributing to anxiety in teens, uh, concerns about whether their self-esteem, like the, the, the kids are actually weighing, and maybe adults too, oh, I only got 14 likes for this post, nobody likes me, or nobody likes my idea, or people think I'm stupid. They're trying to, quote, rein in competitive tendencies and make the experience a little less pressurized. So to talk about this, we have Amy Morrison, who is digital media professor at the University of Waterloo, who checks in with us from time to time. Amy, good morning to you. Good morning. So are they doing this, do you think? And I know you can't read the their minds, but is this really about improving the experience for users and focusing on the photos? Or are they hearing sort of some of the arguments that social media might be contributing to more of the ills of society? I think it's a little bit of um, PR management mixed in with probably some good psychology here. So if you look back on the history of 
of likes um, and different social media services, they began to be introduced sort of quite early in the in the mainstreaming of social media. So Facebook gets likes around 2008 or 2009, and, and Twitter gets favorites around that time. All these services started adding these little tools as bits of positive dopamine-inducing feedback for users where if someone wasn't going to be leaving you a comment or sending you a reply, which kind of takes a lot of time. And, and like think about the number of things on Instagram that you sort of double tap, right, just to give a little heart to it are not the same things. Uh, it's a much higher number of things than you would ever leave a comment on, right? So the like was a way of giving a bit of positive feedback to users. It was an occasion to send them a notification. So when so liked your post or your post got this many likes, come have a look at Instagram again. So it was rewarding users for producing content that other people liked by sending them little notifications to tell them how important they were, right? And, and this, um, it feels good. It feels good to have your stuff liked. However, um, the like became a real driver of different types of measurements of popularity, right? So same thing like Reddit has upvoting and Twitter had favorites and Facebook has, you know, likes and comments and so does Instagram. Instead of, as Instagram says, looking at the image itself or looking at the profile of a new follower that you would get, you would look instead at like how popular that person was, right? And that you were beginning to judge the content by how popular um, a page or a user or a photo was. And you would then also feel that you yourself was being judged that way. So it did become sort of really competitive and produced a flood of notifications and a flood of anxiety for people. So that's on a, a great extent the personal side, but on the business side is more and more media outlets use Instagram, businesses use Instagram for marketing. Tell us what engagement metrics are. Oh, engagement metrics um, will let you know um, in really precise ways how many people are engaging with your advertising content. So how many unique users looked at your photo or your video, how long each person might have played the video for, um, how many people clicked through from an image to your um, brand profile, and how many images they looked at while they were on your own page instead of on the business page, how many people might have clicked um, a link to leave out from Instagram to your brand's main page, how many people produced a purchase from clicking on an ad. Businesses and brands and advertisers love like buttons and they love um, there was a big deal a couple of years ago when Twitter um, sorry when Instagram introduced um, view counts for videos because it really allowed advertisers <laughs> to to be able to brag a little bit about how many people were watching their things so definitely the commercial or business operators on uh, social media love visible engagement metrics they love them because they really want more people to spend more time thinking that they're more popular. Um, but it produces for the individual some kind of negative social consequences and some maybe dysfunctional behaviors related to seeking for likes or being upset about getting likes. Yeah, one of our colleagues, Kelly Moore, often refers to social media as anti-social media because of uh, a lot of the negativity that can be associated with it, whether it's trolls or whether it's just this need for approval. And do you think that it affects, like yesterday, and we referenced this earlier, but for those just tuning in, we referenced how our boss walked in while we were actually having a, a seminar on social media and explained his 16-year-old daughter would sometimes fret about the fact that uh, she would put up a post and only, oh, I deleted it because only 27 people liked yeah, it. That's very common. That's very common, especially among teenagers who 
um, kind of have to spend a lot of time um, on a site like Instagram because um, not only are they very anxious that their own photos get the requisite number of likes, because they will take them down if they don't get enough likes, or it will produce drama if somebody in their very close friend group only likes an image and doesn't leave a comment on it, or if they're not tagged um, fast enough in somebody else's photo of them. Teens have to spend, they feel, really a lot of time with Instagram open while they're doing other things, just sort of almost compulsively double-clicking the photos of everyone they know because they have a social obligation. (laughs) So there's a pressure to get the the likes, but there's a pressure to also be the one liking so you're not getting in trouble, so to speak, by your peer group. That's absolutely right, and I think that's where things get just a little bit to feel more sort of coercive and and fake, right, where people sort of feel like now part of they have this, like, social job where they have to, you know, like, you know, within 30 minutes of it being posted, every image that, um, you know, 200 people in their immediate Instagram friend group, right, or otherwise they're going to suffer some social penalty for not being fast enough with the likes, and it, it becomes a kind of work that no one is enjoying anymore. Well, we complain all the time about being tethered to our desks and to our work places as a big change for us in the last 10 or 15 years. I couldn't imagine going back to high school and this idea, you know, you would be there from 8.30 in the morning until 3 or 3.30 in the afternoon, and you could sort of leave it you could escape at school. You could escape drama. it, good, bad, or otherwise you could escape it. And now it's just with you all the time, just like work is for adults. Yes, absolutely. And I think particularly um, for people at a stage of life where they are um, very much concerned with appearing popular to others or looking like they're fitting in or engaging in the practices that people in their peer group are engaged in, removing the visibility of the likes um, from a photo will really make their lives a little bit easier, actually. They will not feel that that's a kind of of comment that people are making on them that is visible to everybody else, right? So maybe you'll just look at the photo that I took of my dog wrestling with my cat and think, oh, my God, that's really cute, and not be like, oh, my God, that's really cute, but, oh, she only got four likes, and that's been up for, like, two hours already? What a loser. I feel (laughs) ill by this whole—I feel—I get it, and I also feel ill by this whole conversation. Amy Morrison, digital media professor at University of Waterloo, thanks so much for joining us. It's not called a field in soccer. What is it called? 204-780-6868. No, Kelly, you can't answer. For your chance to win. Is, it, uh, is there an urge to, to just spit out oh. the answer, Kelly? <laughs> and then McNabb grabbed me by the kneecap and twisted <laughs> Oh, I've, I've come close. We've all done it. So call us at 204-780-6868. And Kelly Moore is here to talk football. And before we do anything, I just want to play something. And I'm not sure if the audio is going to translate well for radio, but the Winnipeg Blue Bombers yesterday put out one oh. of the best videos I've ever seen to promote Anything they've ever done, single game tickets on sale now. It's the Blue Bombers 2019 home schedule, and it illustrates who they're playing on a week-to-week basis. Let's just try this out. Press play. Where's the sound? Come on, sound. I don't seem to have any sound here. You want to work on that? 
Yeah, I don't know. I can't even troubleshoot that. It says no. I has volume 14. Do I have volume? Is my thing on? It's on? Okay, well, it's not working. Fine. Wow. Live radio. Go, go to uh, Brett's inter- Instagram yeah. and see Joe B's Instagram. And I'll tell you, the, the mastermind behind that is a young fellow by the name of Riley Mara. Uh, he's nicknamed the young Scorsese in the uh, the bomber front office by our good friend Eddie Tate from BlueBombers.com. Riley is one of the rising young stars in the Canadian Football League when it comes to social media. He is just out Standing. He put together and and directed that video starring Bob Irving yeah, last the Saturday year. Night the Live. Saturday Night yeah. Live parody yeah. was outstanding. This is equally as excellent. Before we talk about the Blue Bombers, Valor FC winning yes. their inaugural match last night, Kelly. That that's a big deal to get those three points on the road and to come home with some momentum. If for nothing else, to to get the home side uh, supporters excited about Saturday afternoon's game. And it was an exciting match. I did not see it live. I went back and watched the highlights online this morning and, you know, it's kind of interesting how two of the more high-profile signings, Stephen Hoyle, who's their big striker, he's originally from England, but he was playing professionally in New Zealand, scored their first goal on a beautiful feed from Michael Petrasso, another guy who uh, is thought of very highly, and then Dylan Carrero, the Winnipegger, the first ever draft pick of the of uh, Valor FC, scores the winner. You know, beautiful shot from just outside the penalty area. Yeah, up into the top left corner where mom keeps the cookies mm-hmm. and... Uh, Two one, so uh, you know, just everything fell into place. The coach did a good job, and the general manager did a good job getting the coach the players. Yeah, because Guerrero yeah. went in as a substitute. He's in the second for Stephen Hoyle. Well, there you go. <laughs> so you know, you wonder why you're taking the goal scorer out. I was, well, I was going to give you a line of everything went according to Hoyle last uh, night. But, oh boy, you know, <laughs> I'm accurate. You know, I'm saving I get, that one. Oh, that was great. But it's great because for Saturday, then, if you're a fan, you know you're coming in off of that. Sure. And as a team, there's always that pressure on a home game to perform well in your first ever yeah. game and they already have the win so it kind of just removes a bit of that edge Good point. Yeah. and they can have some fun Saturday. Oh yeah, I think it's going to be a great environment at Investors Group Field on Saturday afternoon at 5 o'clock for sure. Yeah. CFL draft goes tonight yes. and that's a that's become a bigger production in terms of the yeah. league itself. It's always been a big deal for the teams and the Blue Bombers have the 4th and 5th picks, yes. correct Kel? That's right, yeah, and 14 and 25 as well uh, but the 4th and 5th picks are the focal point. And it's kind of interesting because when we look at the Blue Bombers from the outside, we think, okay, they still don't have a deep threat at receivers, so that's one area they could probably boost uh, their uh, fortunes on. And then, because they lost Matthias Golson to retirement and Suk Chung to free agency, there are some holes on the offensive line, even though they have people that have been in waiting, like Michael Couture uh, and uh, Manasi Fochetti, who've been waiting to get in there. Uh, but uh, the one thing we should always caution regardless of who the Blue Bombers take with those fourth and fifth picks tonight, they're probably going to be developed as opposed to uh, force-fed into the lineup. So that's one thing always to remember. And the other thing, too, is when you have two first-rounders, there are some salary cap implications because you have to pay a certain amount of money for a first-round pick. So one of the things the Blue Bombers might do is take Matthew Betts, the defensive lineman from Laval, who signed as an un- uh, undrafted free agent by the Chicago Bears, then you kind of delay that process of having to pay that salary, much like what and they Jeff did Gray. with Jeff Gray. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. When, when you talk about the development time frame, I mean, I'm thinking of the NHL draft, which I'm more familiar with, right? So you yeah. have it in June. Players sometimes might start with a team that fall if they're the Austin Matthews and Patrick Line is oh, in the world. Yeah, yeah. But in football, uh, uh, camp starts... This month. So did it, right. would you get drafted and show up at camp and, oh, yeah. t- and, and play? 
Well, yeah, you would be competing in in training camp. Uh, that's for your job. Yeah, for a job for sure. And and these players would be expected to make the active roster, uh, but probably as uh, um, uh, special teams players mm-hmm. to start with while they're they're honing their craft. A guy like Michael Couture, who was the team's first round pick, I believe, in, in, in 2016. I want to say three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. He and that's exactly it, GMAC. He has been developed for three years. Now he has an opportunity to start. Did they get a phone call? How does it work for them when they find out? Yeah, they they get a phone call. I know the doorbell uh, doesn't ring with like a lottery yeah, the, surprise type. No, the, it's, either, it's either it's uh, either Mike O'Shea or <laughs> it's uh, Kyle Walters on the line. More than likely, Mike O'Shea because Kyle Walters is you know busy on the board and that sure. sort of thing. But uh, I know I remember doing a profile feature on Shane Goche and he was in a yeah. bar and uh, he saw the area code oh four one six. I've been drafted by the Argos. I thought I was going to go to Winnipeg, but it happened to be Mike O'Shea. Oh, neat. He's still on a uh, the Toronto area code. Oh, fun. So yeah. All these people sitting around waiting for that call. That's yeah. pretty cool. I, my call never came, unfortunately. <laughs> well, uh, it, it did. It said, wait till next year. Yeah, and, and I'm still <laughs> waiting 40 years later. Hey, the uh, Blue Bombers added Kevin Anderson and Marcus Rios. Uh, yeah. Uh, Anderson, a quarterback. Rios, a defensive back. You saw them down in Florida. Did they make an impression on you? Yeah, Anderson, uh, I thought, uh, definitely had uh, the strongest arm of the three quarterbacks who were there. Uh, and he, he, you know, he, he just come off of an experience with Orlando and the Alliance of American Football, so he was pretty fresh that way. Marcos Rios had a beautiful interception on the last day. I threw, uh, threw out the video of it yesterday. I was going to say, feet. I'm pretty sure I saw a video yeah, of that. Yeah, so uh, an, an interesting backstory. I didn't get this, but Teddy Wyman from the Winnipeg Sun did, if you want to look this up. Uh, Marcus had one of those rare diseases as a as a child, like one of only a handful of people in the world to to have it. So interesting backstory on him. If you want to uh, dial up Teddy Wyman and look at some uh, stories that he would have written from last week. All right, Kelly Moore, thank you very much for joining us, and Jeff Forte. My pleasure. I just I just want to say the first round picks. Uh, uh, if the Bombers keep the fourth and the fifth, we're uh, expecting to have them on with Christian tonight on the sports show. Amazing. Just wanted to throw oh, that in. Yeah. Right on, Jeff Forte. Who won the tickets for Valor FC? Don Peche. Don Peche. Congratulations. Don knew that a soccer field. What's it called, Kelly? It's a pitch. There you go. Thank you very much for that. Pitch Congratulations, perfect, Kelly Don. Moore. Valor FC inaugural home match this Saturday in Vesters Group Field. And very quickly here, I think I've got it now. The Blue Bombers 2019 home schedule. Eskimo. So June 27th against the Edmonton Eskimos. This is my favorite part right here. It's just a motorboat. <laughs> Just a motorboat crashing into a pillar sticking on the water. That's the Argonauts. Did they superimpose an Argonauts logo on the, on the bow have, of the boat? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. And then I traveled 500 miles. Oh! Yeah, that was Will Ferrell in a big plaid suit with a beard carrying an From axe. From Step Brothers film, uh, yep. And then the that was for the Red Blacks. And here's the Lions. I haven't any courage at all. I even scare myself. <laughs> <laughs> so go to uh, 680 CJOB's Instagram if you want to see it or Twitter. Wait, where's the Tie Cats one? Uh, the Tie Cat. Okay, hang on a second. This is the Rough Riders. They're eating watermelons. Mm-hmm. Uh, there it is. <laughs> the tie cats. <laughs> it shows a tiger and then a, ki- a, a kitten in the in the bush or something like that. That's right. Pretty that was good. my favorite one. So good. So well done to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for that. 
Greg, when I saw the release for what we're about to talk about here, I immediately thought of you because you're such a big Winnipeg history buff and there's something happening at Dalnavert Museum relating to one of our city's defining moments. Yeah, uh, strike and of course the Winnipeg General Strike 1919 were upon the century mark, the 100th anniversary of... It is a community-defining moment, if there ever was one. Uh, Jeff Courier sometimes thinks that we're still embroiled in this psychologically, and it still drags Winnipeg down. Uh, but it's something that uh, put Winnipeg on the map, most certainly, and it had a long-lasting and everlasting effect on our history. Charlene Van Buchenhout, I got so close. Buchenhout, right? That's better. Program, programming and Marketing Director at Donalvert is uh, with us this morning. And this is your very first exhibit with regards to the Winnipeg General Strike. And what's the connection between Donalvert and 1919? Oh, we have this great, uh, unique connection uh, with Sir Hugh John MacDonald. So um, he was the police magistrate uh, during the General Strike. Um, he was the Manitoba premier for 10 months. He was a lawyer, a very prominent uh, person in Winnipeg. He built the Downvert Museum, so in 1895. In 1919, uh, he was the police magistrate, so he was very embroiled in the strike. Um, we see him as a man who is uh, was very empathetic. He often would uh, rush out with fresh-baked cookies for children on the street if he saw them. Mm. As a police magistrate, he... Um, would rule in um, uh, cases with uh, like vagrancy for children. And if he saw that they were first offenders, he would let them sleep in his basement. He's a very um, empathetic man. But how did he end up on the wrong side, as we see it today, of the Winnipeg General Strike? Um, and that's because he was on the side of the businessmen and the government. Um, of course, uh, we're exploring that in the exhibit. We're talking about a time when 30,000 workers went off the job and essentially almost shut down the city. And so therefore, not only would he have been on the side of business, but would he not have had a role to play in uh, controlling that situation because it was very edgy, uh, at risk at that time. Yeah, there's a lot of tensions. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, because he was the police magistrate, he was very embroiled in the in what was going on with the police. So uh, what I find really interesting, what we're exploring in the exhibit, is in 1918, um, the police actually unionized. And he wasn't, you know, in favor of that, but it happened. And uh, when the strike came along, the police were sympathetic. But the strikers said, hey, can you stay on and be the police force? Because otherwise it'll be mayhem. Um, they said, yes, of course. And then um, the Citizens Committee, which was part of what Hugh John was part of, and he, uh, they didn't like that because they wanted to, um, they wanted the police force to still be working because they said so, not because the strikers said so. Even if it would have been for the good of everybody to have yeah, them around. Exactly. So they were um, f not forced, but they were asked to sign a non-union um a document, a document thing, yeah. and 90% uh, of them didn't, so they were fired. It's like the equivalent of when you walk, if you cross the line, if someone's picketing somewhere and you have to make a choice, am I going to go into that building and cross the line, or am I going to stay out and show my support for that striking worker? That's right. So they were almost, because they were unionized, they had to basically say, let's ununion, let's mm. not be union anymore. Uh, so 90% of them said no, so they didn't have a police force. 
So, um, and they fired them. They fired 90% of the police force. And then they said, okay, we don't have police. <laughs> Let's just um, deputize 1,400 special constables, they say. And these were just people, like citizens of Winnipeg, that they gave um, authority to and, and weapons, um, which were just like Billy Club style uh, weapons and uh, badges that said special constable. Just and deputized whoever out. they could, basically. Yeah. You know, yeah. Of course, eventually the Northwest Mounted Police come into the fray, and that's when things really got heated. Yeah, so that's that's the Bloody Saturday um, that we all, uh, that was very famous. Um, so that was all leading up to that. And then so, yeah, the Northwest Mounted Police come in, and uh, that's that's who you see when you see pictures of um, horses running through the crowd and and uh, when two people were shot that day and um, a lot of people were wounded, it was it was that. Charlene Van Buchenhout is the programming and marketing director at Dalnavert Museum. And Charlene, in closing, I'll just say I can't really think of a better place to take this in because going into the Dalnavert Museum already is like stepping back mm. in time. So to learn uh, about this important piece of our history in such a real, it's such a cool environment. It's a great idea. So good for you for bringing this to the table. <laughs> Thanks so much. And we have a lot of costumes from the Costume Museum and um, artifacts from the strike from the Police Museum as well in the exhibit. And it, it's free. So you come oh, down wow. anytime. It's on until September 29th at Dalnavert Museum. More information at dalnavertmuseum.ca. Charlene, thank you for this. Thank you so much. Coming this weekend, if you like shopping and you like supporting local, this is an exciting weekend for you because twice a year, the basement of the Hudson's Bay Company downtown comes alive and is filled with dozens of local vendors, thousands of people waiting to spend lots and lots of money. There's music, there's food, there's beer, there's wine. It's amazing. It's called Third and Bird. It's Winnipeg's largest urban market. We've been telling you about it for a couple of years now, and we are excited to bring back our friends, the co-founders of Third and Bird, Chandra Kremsky and Charlotte Smeal. Hello, ladies. How are you? Hello. Great. So you must be tired heading into this weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's always a busy week leading up to it. Lots of last-minute things to do, but we're feeling really good and really excited. Yeah. Must be a big difference between the first one and now, because you don't know how it's going to go, so there's that stress in the beginning, and now... Now it's going so well, maybe that you're like, oh my gosh, this is so busy. A little bit. Like, I definitely feel like there's a template and you just kind of like go by that, but it doesn't matter. Like, even this week, I was like, hey, I'm going to take Monday, Tuesday off. And then like, yeah, <laughs> everything like happens on those days. So you kind of got to fly with it, roll with the punches. So the pressure to uh, perform certainly exists because you have a reputation. I mean, you have a, you have a gif on Instagram, for crying out loud. That's a huge thing to live up to. Not everybody has one. We don't have one for yeah. CJOB. The pressure is high. As soon as you get that GIF, it just, it's a game changer. <laughs> so what's new this year? What's new? We got 26 new vendors, which is always exciting. It's fun for us to keep the market fresh. You don't want to always see the same thing. We want to have that element of surprise of being like, ooh, who is this person? So, so 26, and so the total is now? 150 oh, vendors. Wow. Um, so we got these 26 new vendors. And then, of course, we have the sip and shop experience. So grab your beer, cocktail, wine, walk around with your drink, enjoy that atmosphere. And then, of course, we have a fully loaded cafe with local food ready to like just hit up every taste bud possible. And Charlotte, you're now a permanent fixture in Hudson's Bay. Am I understanding that correctly? Well, 
yes, we like to say that we're there for spring and for the Christmas. So as long as we can keep that going, we're going to. So We've always said this is such a testament to what's going on in our community. And I, I think you've driven that to a certain extent, this idea that now I have a place to market my wares, to bring my ideas mm-hmm. to life. Yeah. But the, there's so much energy in our community and young entrepreneurs are really putting their best foot forward. It's so exciting to see. It really is. One thing that we've noticed growing, and I've heard it so much just in talking with vendors setting up, is just the collaboration that's going on. And then lines, like they're excited to debut like new product and like, oh, I have a spring line. And so it's not, it's become... Like they have new stuff all the time and they're, yeah, it's just really amazing to see. Is this a coming out party for a lot of vendors, like a fashion show? Absolutely. Like uh, they're always thinking a season ahead, right? So, you know, in the fashion industry, you know, they're always planning 2021 and 2020, right? So same with like Third and Bird. You know, we're always doing applications months in advance. So when they're done the Christmas market, they already have to have their spring lineup ready to go for January for us to jury so we can get ready for this market. And then same thing when this one's over, we're already going to be looking at what is your fall lineup? What does that look like for the November show? So Because not just anyone can be a part of it. Correct. It's a juried art um, market. Right. So yeah, you have to apply. You got to have your marketing, your branding, packaging. Everything's got to be you know top notch and all put but together. That's how much good business opportunities are happening out there. That it's so busy that people. It's not like yeah, I'll, I'll get a table. It's yeah. that's not it. No, no, it's not just drop us an email and yeah, you're in. It's like it's a it's a full process and it's exciting. Um, it you know it's nice to have a curated market. So when you're in there as a shopper, you know that we've done the work of. You know, this is Manitoba made, you know that they're doing good business practices and they're purchasing from other wholesales and suppliers that are ethical. We've done that homework so you can shop with ease that whatever you are walking away with is is a good product. Now, you two are successful Winnipeg entrepreneurs, but I also understand you've made a partnership with another pair of successful young Winnipeg entrepreneurs with Generate Cakes. What's going on there? Generate Cakes. Yes, they're one of our vendors. We're very excited to have them all the time. They're debuting a couple items uh, just specifically for the third and bird market this year. So we love stuff like that. It's a reason to come down because a lot of these things is going to be the first time you're going to be able to get that. It's debuting at the spring market. Yeah. And that's something that we really love too, is like the spirit of collaboration. When, you know, you're part of third and bird, you get a booth neighbor or other businesses that you've heard of and you haven't met. And then you spend three full days, you know, working together and kind of going through an experience, right? It bands you together. And then these beautiful collaborations uh, are a result of it. And you've seen that time and time again. And, you know, you'll see Generate Cakes and Sugar Blossom do a collaboration with jewelry. You'll see Cal Bartaski and Matt from here on Woodwork do the Toba Block saying love where you live. Like you just see multiple collaborations and it's so great. I absolutely love that. While you've been talking, I went to your website, thirdandbirdevents.com, and I've just completely been derailed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like nodding while you're talking. I'm like, oh my gosh, the shirt's great. Okay, I'm going to get that. And then the jewelry and then the home decor. I mean, it's really a whole wide range of things. Well, and it's just, it's incredible when to hear you talk about those relationships yeah. because mentor, mentorships come out of those relationships yeah. potentially because I may be first year and then I have, I like yes. your idea, this booth neighbor, maybe this is, they've been involved yeah. since the get-go. And then so now yes. you've got that relationship going and collaboration, we, we understate sometimes the importance 
importance of that because uh, it, it, it's critical in order to be successful in yeah. business. You can't work in a silo anymore. No, it, it, no. it doesn't make sense. It, no, it, it doesn't. It's, yeah, it's critical for fresh ideas and to keep everything moving. Um, I mean, it's just amazing that these, they're making the same product ideally, but yet every time you've got a new take on it or a new line. And so I think it keeps our province that way, just growing and on top of the game on everything. Yeah. And I think another thing to add on to that is like, there's this whole movement of collaboration over competition. And I think when you're exactly what you're mentioning about a new vendor and an old vendor, it's like, it's easy to be like, well, I don't want to mentor you or I don't want to work alongside you because you're potentially like competition against me. It's you work together and it's actually beneficial for both the brands, both, you know, like you each have a different audience and now you're tapping into each other's audience and it's just such a cool concept. And I love that we're seeing that. You build a critical mass together. Well, when you also have a shop, think about it like these people, then everyone doesn't have a storefront, right? They're selling their products, but then there are those who do have the stores. Like I'm thinking of all the cottage towns that open up and they might want to sell these wares. Well, they're only successful. People come in for that thing. But then that helps the other person's item get sold because that might be the most popular thing might be this shirt. But, oh, wow, I didn't know about this jam or whatever. And it ends up in the same space a lot of the time. Yeah. The Peg Authentic, uh, for example, they cleaned out their whole store, I think, pretty much to set up at Third and Bird. Did they not? You know what? Oftentimes they do. It's a very busy weekend. Third and Bird is a is a big market and a big uh, weekend for many of these makers, and so they spend weeks and months prepping for it. And a lot of them are burning the midnight oil. It's fun watching their Instagram stories, and you take a look and you see that it's posted at like three in the morning. <laughs> you just know they're just working so hard to get ready. Do you know it's a ticketed event? You need tickets to get in. Do you have any left? Yes. So today is the last day to buy tickets online if you want to save $2. And who doesn't want to save money? We're Winnipeggers. We love a good deal. So if you want to go to our website at thirdandbirdevents.com, you can get your tickets online. But as of midnight tonight, that will be shut down and you can purchase tickets for $10 at the door. And you can follow them on social media, particularly on Instagram, Third and Bird. Social media must just be tedious for you, too, because <laughs> it's always being updated with so much detail. Like, it must take forever to put up a post for you guys. Yes, uh, it does. Luckily, we have finally hired a couple people to help out with that. So, But yeah, it is, and especially this time of year, it's 24-7. It's around the clock. Well, I can, tell you, I can tell you firsthand, Third and Bird is a shopping experience like no other. Be prepared to spend money if you go. <laughs> you said the first time you went, you didn't have enough. Is that how it went for you or you just yeah I think I had a hundred bucks on me and it was gone in five minutes (laughs) and I like I was I I I was I stopped at three places I thought this is nice this is nice Uh, oh I'm done now three tables in (laughs) well uh, one of the treasures uh, that Brett bought at the last market adorns my walls of my of my sports man cave uh, because it was such a thoughtful thing that uh, Brett bought for me so it really is one of those places where you can find something for everyone like if you have gifts you need to buy for that impossible to buy person this is the place to go and find those gifts absolutely and may i remind you all that it's mother's day weekend the oh after the i thought you're gonna tell us how many days shopping days till christmas <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah mother's day is coming up right yeah, perfect yes so Shandra Kremsky, Charlotte Smeal, founders of Third and Bird. Again, the website, thirdandbirdevents.com. It's this weekend at Hudson's Bay Company. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank Always you. fun. Thank you.
There is an event coming up on Saturday, May 25th, that the first time I saw it, well, I heard it before I saw it. I, this is when I used to work on Saturdays, and I would walk to work. So I would walk, uh, I'd end up coming up from Tilehurst on the south side of Portage Avenue because I would cross the river uh, from River Heights, and I could hear the bikes firing up. And then when I got to Portage Avenue, I thought, oh my God, this is so neat. And then I realized, how am I going to get across the street so I can get to work? But it didn't. the fact that I was late for work didn't matter because I got to take in the ride for Dad just as it kicked off. And it truly is one of the coolest things. And last year, Greg, you and I were right there, right beside all the bikes as they were rolling out on a Portage Avenue. Yeah, honored to uh, have one of those honorary starting flags. And it is an event to behold, whether you're participating, when you're, whether or not you're on the periphery, right in the thick of it, or as a donor, as a pledger to the many riders. And uh, we're honored to have uh, two of the principals in our studio this morning. That's right, Ed Johnner, spokesperson and most sovereign co-chair for the Manitoba Motorcycle Ride for Dad, the TELUS Manitoba Motorcycle Ride for Dad, which is fighting against prostate cancer. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us this morning. Well, Thanks thank for having you us on. for having us on. So how's it going so far, Ed? Things are rolling right along, so to speak. Um, you know, the date's coming up, May 25th. Um, but uh, no, uh, we've, we've been uh, working hard and, and we'll be ready. It is work going into something like this, right? Because you want so very badly to have as much success and fundraising and money as possible at the end of the day. Do you feel the stress or does it get a little bit easier as you as you go into it? I think over the years it's gotten a little easier. Yeah. Um, There's always that stress the couple of days before because weather does play sure. a huge part into it. And uh, even in inclement weather, we've had awesome turnouts even the year that uh, we actually canceled the ride because of the torrential downpours. It was our second year in 2010, and um, we still brought in more money for prostate cancer than the year before, and we've, uh, we've set a pretty good trend that way. It's a it's a huge event, and it's not just the ride. There are a couple of peripheral events as well. How does the day go, and, and the days leading up to it uh, well, go? Ed? The Thursday and the Friday before the ride, uh, we'll be having pre-registration at Earls at Polo Park uh, from four till eight, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Go with eight. Yeah, we'll go with eight. Um, but yeah, come come out early and and pre-register so that when you get there Saturday morning. Uh, you can just simply get in information and and not have to worry about standing in line to register. You know what's so interesting about prostate cancer is we were talking about this at home the other day. Uh, someone in our family was just mentioning, should I be going for that? Like, when is that supposed to happen? And and then I think it was my mom that said, well, everybody's going to get it, so you better be going. And so there's this idea out there that it's so common, and yet I still think that the the sense to not go get this simple test is what prevents people from getting the treatment that they need. Like, you know you're supposed to. Well, one in seven men, one in seven Canadian men is going to get prostate cancer. So it's, it's a, it is a fairly common cancer. And, uh, you know, I know for myself, early detection was critical in my case. Uh, I was diagnosed in 2007 and treated successfully uh, because of early detection. 90% of cases that are detected early are treated successfully. So that, that's a big part of the message that we're trying to get across and, and get out there to men. Yeah, and it's it's estimated that 800,000 men in Canada have prostate cancer, and the majority of them don't know it don't, at this point. Don't know it, yeah. Right. What do you think that is about? Is it because it's the part of the body that just we just kind of want to ignore? 
Well, or I, not talk about. I or? mean, there is a bit of a stigma yeah. for for going to get tested. I mean, the physical exam is is uh, is not, not great, not fun. <laughs> um, however, uh, it can save your life. Um, you know, and and the PSA test, establishing a PSA base number uh, with your doctor is is critical. And uh, yeah, again, we we encourage all men to to see their doctor on a regular basis, especially men over forty. Yeah, and and not only the message isn't just to men; it's to the wives, it's to the mothers, it's to the daughters. Tell your stubborn dad, a husband, <laughs> a father, to go get checked. Because if we can do it, anybody can do yeah, it. Yeah, that's a great point. I don't want to ever be sitting at home and be like, oh, yeah, I should have told you or mm-hmm. I should have reminded you or I didn't bother because you're too stubborn and I didn't want to get in a fight or something. Well, you know, I always talk about the idea that you know how much money you've raised. We talk about the awareness. We know the statistics, the estimates about people that are walking around with this disease and don't know it. But the incredible thing about this campaign is the awareness. And we don't know how many people's lives we've saved. Just from having the conversations we've been having for the last 11 years. That's the most powerful thing to me is the some one thing we can't measure in this whole discussion. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the, I think, the proudest uh, moments of uh, this whole um, time that we've been involved was when our national office did a survey um, of Manitoba riders. And we were... Uh, I think at 65% of uh, men that had gone and gotten checked as a result of the ride when the national average was about 50%. So uh, obviously people are getting the message, um, but there's still people out there that aren't. And that's why we continue to do what we do. The money that is raised for research that is uh, world-leading research that's being done right here in Manitoba is just amazing with uh, Dr. Sabine Mai through Cancer Care Manitoba and Spencer Gibson, um, who were our most recent recipients of their research grants. Uh, and as you've probably heard, our TV ads, the billboards. So we're, we're very proud that uh, we're, we're better than the national average. How many bikes are you hoping to get, Ed? I'm hoping we're over 1,500. We had 1435, I believe, last year. The year before, we were 1510. Oh, wow. um, but, I mean, you, you always want to set a record. That's that's what we're hoping for. That's yeah. another great thing to point out. There's a great cause, and there's a great message out of there. But at the end of the day, if you just want to see something pretty spectacular, how often do you hear from the first-timers just what a joy it is to see this go down the, ro- the highway? The adrenaline rush, especially after the parade. Um, the parade for me is the highlight of the day. Which is from where to where? From Earl's at Polo Park, uh, westbound on Portage Avenue out to Assiniboia Downs, where from there we disembark on a, on a poker derby uh, up through Lockport, Gimli, back through Selkirk, uh, back into the city. But the, the from here to Assiniboia Downs is, is when you have everybody together, right? It's the right? police-escorted parade, Amazing. yeah. And, and it's just, it's phenomenal. It's a, Every year the, the crowd for the, to watch the parade gets larger and larger. Forgive my ignorance on this. What's a poker derby? Uh, you go to certain locations and pick up a, po- a card, and at the end of the day, after you've got your five cards, whoever has the best poker hand oh, wow. is oh, a winner. Yeah. That's cool. So, there, so on by bike, you're going. There's a cash prize for that, but we also have um, prizes for the top three pledge earners. Um, so that uh, is always uh, an exciting time when we get to hand out those those prizes and uh, some of the the captains club members, Gary Bernard, uh, Tony Kuzak, they're in close to the hundred 
hundred of thousands uh, dollars that have been raised. Like and a one person has one person. I, I believe last year they were both about twenty four thousand and twenty yeah. twenty two thousand just for a one year total. But hmm. um, you know, the, it's incredible the amount of money that the captains' club uh, people raise. They must have some serious hustle going on somewhere. They work hard <laughs> at it. They really do. Now, Mo, Mo Sabrin, uh, president of the Winnipeg Police Association and co-chair of the Ride for Dad. I know you're here to talk about the Ride for Dad. I just, but while you're here, I have to uh, ask you about an event that I attended on Saturday, the Winnipeg Police Association Charity Ball at Canadens Polo Park, in, uh, which was for Children's Hospital Foundation. And, and I was uh, floored when I learned it's, what is it, the oldest event of its kind in where? This, uh, this was our 95th um, annual Charity Ball um, in the last 33 years, we've been in support of the Children's Hospital Foundation. Um, however, it was 1925 that the first ball was held, and we are the longest-running event of its kind in North America. Wow, good for you guys. And it was a great event. Uh, the food was wonderful. I was I just went as a guest, so I kind of just sort of stumbled into a ticket for it, so I was very privileged to, to be there. So kudos to you for all the work that you're doing in the community, and Ed, kudos to you for leading the charge here for the Manitoba Ride for Dad. I'm looking forward to being there again uh, this year. With Hopefully I'll get a, one of those flags so I can get out in front. And because uh, it it really is uh, just it's a joy. There's something about just being around that many bikes and hearing that sound. It's like um, it it ignites kind of something primal inside you. That's how I what I felt. It's a goosebump day for sure. And it's happening Saturday, May 25th. And what time is the gun going to go off? Kickstands up at 10 o'clock. Okay, Ed John. Kickstand, I like it. Kickstands yeah. up. <laughs> Ed Johnner, spokesperson for the Manitoba Ride for Dad. Mo Sabrin, co-chair of the Manitoba Ride for Dad. It's a fight against prostate cancer. And for more information, you can go to rideforDad.ca slash Manitoba. Gentlemen, thank you very much for this. Well, thank you very much. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.